You know what this is. You know what we're here to do. We are ready to rock. Where's my bell? I didn't bring my bell. Uh, welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast with Travis and Martin. Travis. I want to rock. I want to rock your world. I don't know. I just made that up. I'm sure that's a song in some universe. Uh, what's been up, man? Been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a minute, man. Uh, you know, what What has been up? You know, not not much, right? Y- you know, like... <laughs> does I don't much know, I feel like it, I... Yeah, I was I just like, like, does anything happen us? anymore? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be presumptive, but yeah, like, what all freaking happens to anybody these days? So that that's what's been happening uh but yeah you know you know like actually yeah like you know work's been a little busy there you know there's you know it's been you know like strikes and gutters personally but uh you know i'm hanging in there one day at a time one day at a time these are the days of our lives (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been like a month since that, since we recorded, I think. So we got a little discombobulated on what to talk about today. So we're going to be doing one of the older issues, I uh, think from last week or the week before, a series wrap-up. And then we're going to talk about the new books coming out today, or yesterday if you're listening to this, instead of listening as we talk, which is impossible because we don't live stream. Uh, so we will be talking about Bad Reception number five, Join the Future number four, Undone by Blood number five, and Animosity number 28. Very good. We have no news to discuss, so let's get to the show. Uh, B- Bad Reception number five. Written, arted, lettered, and covered by Wando. It's my favorite uh, when only one person works in a book. That was easy, yeah. Yeah. Plus, Wando, even Ronnie could pronounce that. Yeah, Wando, taking other people's jobs. What's up with that? <laughs> what is up with that? Um, so this is the final issue of the series. This uh, this has been a long time coming, Travis. So yes. we, we kind of had to talk about this because I think – both of us and Ronnie, uh, may he be safe in his travels. Uh, we're really excited when this book came out and we really enjoyed it. But uh, I think even not considering the fact that comics weren't coming out for a little while, uh, this book was still kind of not coming out also. So it's nice to finally be able to talk about the conclusion of Bad Reception. Yeah, can I can I just say that um, you know I'm thinking back to C2E2. Remember, like in a former life. Yes. Uh, the you last there. convention, the last convention of the century. The last convention. Had you known? <laughs> had I known, I would have gone. You wouldn't have flaked out. Like, <laughs> come on. But yeah, so like you know what feels like a century ago, but was in fact back in February. Mm-hmm. This was a conversation that I think I had about five times with different people. Like, but really, like, what's up with bad reception? Is it (laughs) (laughs) when is it coming back? Back in February. And I was like, I don't know. You you know, like, 
And like, you know, that was before then COVID derailed everything. And obviously have to assume that that contributed to it. But yeah, it's just like it. There was definitely a healthy delay. I don't remember when the last issue came out, maybe December. I mean, I would think so. Right. November, December of last year. So, yeah, it's been quite a while. But uh, but it's here. So let's talk about it. Sounds good. Were you, here's the question, were you a good a boy? And did you go back and reread the entire series to remember what's happening? Okay, I I was a good boy. I <laughs> I don't think that I reread the whole thing, but I think that I reread at least a few issues. Like maybe maybe like issues three and four, if I had to guess. Alright, alright. I'm proud of you because I was not a good a boy and I did not reread any of the issues. Yes. But also this was whenever this like book came out, it was like two weeks ago, so mm-hmm. Yeah. True, <laughs> so the true. benefit of that is is largely lost, but I did <laughs> I did review like a few, like some things, try to to get like back up to speed. Good. So the only thing I don't remember is how the the serial killer was ousted as working for the fiance. Uh, hashtag hashtag hashtag. Um, but aside, <laughs> aside from that, I think uh, I think the way that this issue was structured was actually like very easy to read and kind of had all the little bits in there that kind of reminded of you of the important stuff. Um, and, and, you know, we, we haven't talked about this book in months, but, uh, but even through that, I do remember having the conversation where we all kind of felt that maybe the fiance was behind the whole deal. And you mean blase or yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it wasn't him though, right? It was him. What? I mean, he's not the serial killer, but he's the one that planned the whole thing. Ah, uh, see, you for, you forgot already. You, my friend, need to go over your notes. Yeah, he's no, the I'm, yeah he's the he's the one that set the whole murder scheme up. Uh, he specifically picked out these people to come to the wedding and was going to have them murdered uh, in order of like number of Twitter followers, basically. I mean, I, you know, respectfully, my recollection of this issue was that while Blase did write, like, a novel that basically was the premise about, like, running through murders based on social media standing, that it was Gaia, the the bride, who was actually orchestrating it, and... um you know, she was largely using Maurizio as kind of the muscle or, you know, like the person who who up till the final issue was out there killing people. Right. And I I feel like I I mentioned that I threw that out there in a previous episode. I just want to take credit that I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, uh that I was on record being like, you guys think it's convenient that Mauricio keeps getting mentioned over in each <laughs> issue and he hasn't showed up yet? Yes, you did. I will give you credit for that. Uh, you, but, you, are, you are correct in a sense, though, Travis. Gaia did orchestrate the whole thing, but okay. it, it was not her plan. 
Okay, it was it was still Blase's plan, and he he thought it was his plan the entire time until the end of this issue, when guy when he comes up and talks to Gaia and her friend, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm such to such, he got he he sacrificed himself to save us, blah blah blah, and Gaia's like, ah, but I read your your little novel, and I was intrigued by the plot. And when things started happening that way in real life, I kind of co-opted the story and and guided it along. So she basically let Blaze think that like everything was cool. She she didn't know what was going on, and basically recreated his plan while allowing him the whole time to think that it was still his, including the stuff with Maurizio, because like he he was in on the whole thing. Yeah. So like. I feel like maybe we're 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 doing kind of a semantic like we're on the same page. Yes, this is like we are. his idea, but but that you know like maybe he didn't have the balls to do it or you know like he just like I I remember she said like this is my wedding present to you you know <laughs> and it kind of is like I you know I don't know it you can you know there's not enough here to judge about like whether you write something as you know like quote unquote fiction but it's really you know like fantasy you know like personal like wish fulfillment like you put it on your vision board or whatever well actually you know? it's funny that you bring that up cuz before we started recording you and I were talking about Grant Morrison and like this is what Grant Morrison does in his stories right he he treats them as like magic rituals, mm-hmm. and like the stuff that he wants to happen in real life, he like crafts in a very odd way into his stories, and then they end up happening in real life, right? Like he, he's talked about this if you if you read interviews about the Invisibles, uh, where like he met he wanted to meet this woman and he wrote her into the comic, and then she ends up actually like popping up at a bar or something, and they had a relationship and all this stuff. Um. So yes, I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Just maybe not as fourth wall breaking as as what Grant Morrison does. But yeah, very very similar in that regard. Um, some kind of like wish fulfillment in a sense. Yeah, I mean, but I feel like I remember questioning kind of her motivations in and thinking about the issue and. I feel like she has a direct motivation, which is just if she, you know, if slash when she survives this episode, you know, like, I feel like this is the springboard in her mind to get her over a billion followers. Yes. Which, which then, you know, like step three profit, you know, (laughs) like nobody's necessarily connected the dots about how exactly that monetizes but uh, you know obviously it's you know like it's a bargaining chip for anybody that has actually like like a huge social media following it's like oh did i mention i have a <laughs> hundred thousand followers on twitter right, you know, right right that's pretty significant but even like a tenth of that is something you're like mm, ten thousand okay yeah yeah and you know, I, I dove into this stuff a little bit a while back, and, you know, like, if you had a million subscribers on YouTube, for example, like, you're you're pretty much good. Like, you're, you're set for a good living, right? You're probably going to be making six figures. Granted, you have to put out, like, a video every single day and do all the stuff and try to find a way to keep it entertaining so those people keep coming back. 
uh, what better way to keep your audience entertained than to say, hey, I went to this Fantasy Island wedding with my friends and we were stalked by a serial killer. Everyone died except me. Everyone wants the story, so now they make the movie, right? And uh, and that's basically how the spoilers. That's how the the issue ends. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Okay, I I would just add to that since you mentioned YouTube and like I think probably that is is similar to Twitter in this respect is that they mention in this issue of, at least a couple times the idea of the algorithm. Yes. Um, and like. It, like if you look at the algorithm, it, you know, pers- I feel like from my own interaction with it, the algorithm basically means that there's like, you know, a gravitational pull for, you know, people that are on social media and the people that have a lot of followers get even more followers, you know? Yes. It's it's like at a certain point, it becomes self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, I I know that definitely there are people on YouTube, I assume on Twitter as well, that know how to cater to the algorithm, you know, and I feel like that's something they mentioned in this issue as well, which is this idea of, of like, I serve the algorithm, you know, right? Like, and that implies to some degree, you know, like maybe some level of sentience, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, so to me, and you know me, I love like trying to find some esoteric meaning in in things when when the thought appears in my mind, and and the thought appeared in my mind with this series, uh, when with the constant talk of the algorithm, because in many respects, like this whole thing ends up being like a, a religious ritual, right? Like a, a ritual sacrifice of friends. For this one person to appease her god, the algorithm, uh, to gain more fame and money. Yes. But it also, like, some of the people I think that she invited to the wedding were, like, she had an idea in mind that, like, they did her dirty and so they're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there was mention in the issue that, that everybody had transgressed in some right. way right everybody that died deserved it and they pointed to something specific either in the series or before the series uh but like that's where it starts to get a little bit muddy is like okay well i mean i'm sure she has a lot of friends so she just picked the ones that you know acted like effed up to her so so it, it's okay that she like killed them for the algorithm so she she says one thing in here that would I was a little confused about and and I didn't know if it meant that like there was still a possibility of these people being redeemed even though they had wronged her. Uh when she's talking about her dad and how like she really she brought him here because she wanted to have a relationship with him, but like he also broke his NDA and he was going to sell these pictures and and as a result he had to die. And and it got me wondering like would there have been a different ending to the story had those people not follow through on being the people that they were? You see what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if they weren't just constant clout chasers 
and had said like, oh, yeah, like we can't have Twitter on here. Cool. Let me put my phone away. Um, like, oh, we can't take pictures. Like, like I can't talk about what happened at the wedding. Cool. Like, I won't do that. If those things had actually happened, I wonder if Gaia would have allowed them to live. I feel like if I was, you know, if I, if you pressed me on it, which you may be, uh, that like seems like she has a plan, you know, mm-hmm. and. Like, that plan gets derailed, maybe, if you are like, oh, well, you know what, manager, like, I thought you were going to betray me, but you didn't, so you got to live, but you have to stay quiet, you know? Like, maybe that's what happened with Damaris, right? Is like, maybe she thought that Damaris was going to do something, and she didn't, so she's like, you got to live, but you stay quiet forever. Exactly. So, So everybody else failed on that test and they just get sacrificed well and i think and i do wonder if the mayor is placed in there kind of as a trojan horse we're like this this is a person that really doesn't have anything to gain out of it right like yeah okay maybe she'll like get some new followers because she's friends with gaia right but that's not what drives her life so that's not something she's actively seeking right it would be kind of a side effect of it um but having partaken in this ritual and being the only person that knows the truth of what happened because Gaia knows she can trust her because she didn't sell her out at any point, uh, she's given the reward. So Damaris is not on social media, right? Isn't that the why she's safe? Or... So I think at the point of the wedding, she is not. But there is a phone call at the end where she says, like, OK, yeah, congratulations on your 100 million followers. Ha. So as a result of this whole thing, Damaris does get on social media because now she's a famous movie star, right? Co-starring on this – based on a true story with, with Gaia. And, uh, and, and in fact, she's become like just another Gaia. Yeah. Now, I it, mean like – sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Like my, my read on, on Damaris is like I, – I feel like – Early on, they set up in the first issue, maybe, that she still has an, an idea of being an actress or whatever she wants to do, mm-hmm. y- you know, but she's not, you know, whoring out her her best and most famous friend for her own benefit. Right. Um, like, and when we're in the story, like in this issue, I kind of feel like she's not really given a choice, hmm. you know? Like she's the the choice she's given is, hey, how would you like, you know, success and riches beyond your wildest dreams if you cooperate or I can kill you, you know? Yeah. Like you don't even need the upside. You can just be like either you agree or I kill you. But, you know, sweeten the pot a little bit by making her one of the biggest, most successful people on the planet you know, in the process. Mm-hmm. It's like an insurance policy. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really like the way that it ended. I, you know, it, it also makes you think a lot about Gaia's character, right? Because the way that it plays out in the first couple issues, it seems like maybe she does see the advantage of not 
constantly being tied to a phone, even if she's reluctant to it. But with the way that the story ends up turning out, we know that that was never the intention anyway, right? So I'm, I'm wondering, like, what the bigger message is of Wando to whoever's reading this. Because, I mean, basically it comes off like, don't trust anybody in social media. They're all full of shit. Yeah. And and I think that's an interesting way to look at it because I, I was talking about this with someone recently uh, with regards to UFOs. Because uh, the New York Times had that article a few weeks back where they were talking about uh, the military having recovered vehicles uh, that were possibly not of this world. Um, and, and so, of course, like UFO Twitter just goes crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we've been saying it was aliens the whole time, and now the New York Times says it, so it must be true. Uh, but then you have people that exploit that. And, and I see this all the time. You know, I talk all the time about how I love to get on Reddit, on the conspiracy Reddit, and just, like, see what the kind of BS that people post. Because, like, there's always someone trying to sell you something. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they're posting videos to someone's YouTube with, like, their dumbass theories about something. Um, and like, it's just a constant thing. And it's like, how much are you able to like realize, like see through the BS and because like confirmation bias, right? Like you want so bad to believe in something. This seems plausible. Let's go with that. Right. There's, there's a lot of predators, uh, in, in all kinds of fields, not just like UFOs, just anything. Right. Um, I think just the, the fringe kind of lends itself to that because, a, a crazy idea can come off as seeming like a possible solution. Um, and, and the problem with that, of course, is, and again, this could be for anything, science, fringe stuff, anything, comics, um, the, the people that actually have a good message to relate sometimes don't have the traction because the message isn't sexy. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, okay, let, let's, let's just do something here. If I told you, Travis, okay, you live in California. If I told you, if you smoke weed, uh, it'll cure cancer. All right, it'll cure COVID. Okay, you smoke a joint, you can't get COVID. That's like, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to go smoke a joint so I, don't, I never get COVID again. That sounds very sexy. If I said, well, Travis, uh, if you don't want to get COVID – you have to wear a mask and you have to take vitamin D and vitamin C and you have to take zinc and you have to take care of yourself and you have to have a good diet and you have to be you know, aware of like people around you, get your tests, like this and the other. That's a lot of work. That's not very sexy. So people don't listen to those people. Mm-hmm. They, they listen to the people that have like the cool thing. We're like, hell yeah, that means I can smoke weed. Awesome. And it's true f- just with everything. Uh, it's just the way that people are, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm with you on that point, which is, you know, like I would throw in there most specifically the whole flat earth, whatever, like oh, YouTube, yeah. Twitter, and yeah. like, like, come on, come on, <laughs> like there, ha- there has to be a bunch of people that just are like, hey, <laughs> I know this is bullshit, but like i am getting rich off selling this you know like uh-huh. yeah and they don't have to believe it right 
the point is to make it seem believable so other people believe it. Yeah, I mean, I think that like they, some people maybe can just realize that there's market for stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, just they they just jump into provide content for that market. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm surprised on some no 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 offense, but I know you're a fan of conspiracy theories. I'm so a I fan just of wonder li- I'm a fan of listening to them. I don't believe ninety nine percent of them. Sure. Yeah. I mean I guess it just begs the question whether all conspiracy theories come from a place of like, hey, now that I have your attention, let me sell you something or whether that's more of a recent development, like kind of in the like that there's just a bunch of you know, grifters or lazy people or whatever that realize there's money to be made in selling fiction to like the online audience. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I had this exact argument with someone on Reddit uh, this past week with regards to something. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, you know who Alex Jones is, right? Oh, yeah. So you've heard about Bohemian Grove? I don't think so. Okay, so Bohemian Grove is this like it's not a campsite, but like it's like a campsite. Uh, there's like cabins and stuff like that. It's like a retreat for rich people. So like presidents go there, politicians, world leaders, like just rich people. Classic Bohemians, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, classic Bohemians. Uh, they go to this place in the woods in California, right? And uh, I don't know, like ten years ago, Alex Jones heard about this thing and he he got a camera and like quote unquote infiltrated it okay and i've heard the story over the years many times i never bothered to watch the video so finally i was like you know what i'm gonna watch this video to see like why people are thinking all this crazy stuff about this place based on what alex jones said so i watched the video you know how he infiltrates this place he just walks in the front door and like just like waves at the guards like, what kind of, like, weird, secretive society would just let you walk in the door? With um, a camera? Well, they, they the camera was hidden. Okay. okay. But, like, they don't check IDs or, like, are you on the members list? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and it, of course, when you when you learn what goes on there, you start thinking, like, well, that's – why would they let him in? Because, uh, see, like, he films this, like, ritual sacrifice, basically, that happens one night. Uh, where there's like a bunch of dudes in robes like chanting in front of this giant owl image and and they burned an effigy that, of a person, right? It's made out of paper mache. It's not a real person. Um, and they burn it in front of this owl god and there's like this whole like theatrical thing going on uh, where like the paper mache thing is talking to them and, and they explain like why they have to sacrifice it. and And so of course like – that means that all these politicians go to this place to worship Satan, basically, is what the the, the answer is to this whole thing, right? Uh, of course. Which leads to other stuff like New World Order and all this stuff. But I'm but I'm watching this because you know I love mythology and, and religion and stuff. And and I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't see anything satanic about any of this. Uh, if anything, they're like they're burning Satan, not burning a person to Satan. Uh, so to me, the the message was the complete opposite of what everybody else thinks. But what do I know? You know what I mean? 
I don't I'm not an expert, right? And I don't like pretend to be. Um and that goes kind of to the message of this. You mentioned earlier like when you get to a certain place, it's just like it works by itself, right? The algorithm just works for you. Um you know, if I if I have, you know, 10 followers, right? Like my mom and my dad and and my girlfriend uh follow me on Twitter. Whoa, and- whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Heather, don't worry. This is hypothetical. <laughs> I got you, you bud. You know what I mean? Um, if I have like a, a handful of followers and I get on Twitter and I say, uh, you know, hydroxychloroquine cures COVID, like no one's going to believe me because I have 10 followers, right? But if I have a million followers and I say it, then everyone's like, oh, well, look what this guy said. It must be true. He's got a million followers. And that's kind of what Gaia relies upon to continue going on her journey. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot to to untangle with this book. I I love this book. I'm glad that we finally got the conclusion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I feel like to that point, like my my take maybe like since we've been discussing it is that she had this plan that she's like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. I'll take off my like my social media feed, the thing that's most important to me for this wedding. Like no nefarious intent and. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, but really I know that like when I come back online, I'm going to have a harrowing murder story <laughs> to tell. Yep, exactly. Um, all right. Anything else on this? Nah, let's do it, man. All right, cool. Five out of five. Great. Yeah, I feel good. Five out of five. Let's do it. All right. Let's go on to this week's books then. And uh, we're going to kick things off talking about Join the Future number four. Written by Zach Kaplan, with art by Peter Kowalski, colors by Brad Simpson, letters by Hassan Atsmani Elhau, and he's got two books tonight. I think I think Aftershock just wants me to continue saying his name. Is the you way say it's so good? I mean, I don't even know if it's right. It just sounds all right. It sounds all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tell me a little bit about Join the Future. Ooh, put me on the spot. Uh, okay. Well. You know, in broad strokes, we start out and, uh, you know, even though they've made the deal with the sheriff, the deal requires that uh, our protagonists sign on the line to uh, join the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they put her in a noose to motivate her. Um, and, you know, pretty quickly, uh, you know, the city dude shows up and he's like, yeah, whatever, I'll sign for you. Which is legal, I guess, because she's a minor. Um, Which, why didn't that happen in the first issue? I mean, I don't think it would have changed anything. In the any, first issue? Or whatever, mean, in the second like issue. In, when, in a previous issue? Yes, in, yeah. in any previous issue, if anybody could just sign on the line. That's what I, And I think I brought that up the last time we talked about this, maybe with issue four. We're like, why is it so important for them to sign the line if when they're in the city, they have – like they don't have any freedom anyway? They just do whatever they're told to do in the city. I was wondering the same thing. Like, why this kind of slavish devotion to the legalities of you need to sign on the line when they turn around and he he signs for her anyway? Yeah. And they kind of explain that away as like, well, you're a minor. So maybe sure. maybe in that sense, it's like a, a guardian or conservator signing on her behalf. But... I'm not sure necessarily I understand 
what them signing gets you, gets the city that they wouldn't have from just being like, yeah, I'm here for now, you know? But, like, I, I suppose that, like, has broader implications. Sorry to derail the... the no, not at all. Not at recap, all. But we're, we're already talking about it, so I think it's good. Like, but, you know... Um, there's, I feel like, like in this issue, an, an idea again about why is it such a problem if this girl just says, nah, nah. Yeah, you know? just leave her alone. Like, <laughs> they, they're putting a lot into this, including the time of this dude from the city who seems like a heavy dude. And it's important enough for him to be like, I need to do some really shady stuff to get this person to commit to the city, you know? And I think that, you know, I have to assume it's because there's some idea that any dissent from yeah, the city, right. even if it's way outside and they're not on like telecommunications devices, you know, it's just like, person-to-person contact outside the city that even that level of like hey the city sucks is they think is a big threat to them you know Mm -hmm. so like that's why they're maybe being so fascist is is the idea that there can't there can't be anybody that is alive that is like hey city blows cities for suckers well to an extent yes because on the other side you have the traitor and he knows the city sucks. But yes. the, the difference is that he wants to keep himself alive, and so he continues to trade, right? So even though he knows the city sucks and he's not part of the city, he's still doing the city's bidding. And and I think maybe that's kind of the, the moral background of the whole story where she is not willing to give up her sense of morality in order to continue her life. Whereas the traitor is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like I think the traitor, I guess to your point, must be useful to the city. I don't know what that is, whether it's just kind of some kind of pipeline that that leads to the city. You know, like he he lets them know where they are or whatever. Like he smooths stuff over when he's like, Yeah, I think you should go with the city. Well, for sure, and maybe the deal is we'll let your son live. You just keep trying to convince people that don't want to join that they have to join. He's Mr. Like, time for you to compromise. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like a very scalable thing, but I guess <laughs> they they probably already have, have picked up a lot of people. I don't know, it's... There's certain parts of the premise, the basic premise, that you don't necessarily know, like like how many people are out there in sure. these outlying areas that they like they're coming for. Well, and we're only also focused on this one subset of people, right? So there could be other people in other parts of the country, like the trader, doing the same kind of work, mm-hmm. right? Where they they seem like they can be trustworthy because they don't work for the city, but in reality, they kind of do, right? Indirectly, um, there could be many people like that. We're just focused on this one particular section, uh, but but I mean, like there are other things similar to that too, though, right? Where like you start to get a glimpse of like if the city's so powerful, 
why do things need to be done this particular way? So signing the contract is one, right? If they're so powerful, why is it so important to sign the contract? Uh, number two, and it comes up twice in this issue, is with the machines. Yeah. Right? You have these giant machines that basically like harvest entire towns and and just cover them in dirt so the city can take over the land. And like they're stopped by just fires on the street. Yeah. I mean, I guess the city doesn't have any firefighters or <laughs> – well, but I think I think they just send sheriffs out. Like, they, so you they, can put this fire out. Uh, what? They just send. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, there is an explanation given. So you know, I'm not I'm not like knocking on that aspect of the book. Uh, the explanation is something to do with like the the censors like mess it up or whatever. Um, which I guess is fine, right? Like we have self driving vehicles, but they're not commonplace because like it's very hard to like process all that information for a computer whereas humans just have that ability innately right so we still prefer for people to drive as opposed to for cars to drive uh maybe at some point in the future we'll have completely autonomous cars just like in this future they will have completely autonomous autonomous uh city destroying machines I mean, I think there's a scale issue as well. Like those machines are so giant, it's it's like a skyscraper, you know. So it's yeah. like, hey, are you willing to lose a skyscraper? No. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, no, that would be a like that's going to be a tough one to absorb, right? So it's like, yeah, maybe. Well, but let's, you know, let's you... just get the hazards out of the way before we send this gigantic sensitive machine out to do its job but you know what the solution is same as with the self-driving vehicles you put a person in the machine so mm -hmm. that in the event that something happens they can take control yeah i mean i think that that might get to the same place which is like hey are we really driving into a fire like sounds like a bad idea let's take care of that first. <laughs> yeah i guess so I guess so. And I mean, there is obviously a need for that, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have sheriffs all over the country, like, doing peacekeeping. They would just have machines doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I kind of like that in, in a way. Because even though these cities are just taking over, and it seems kind of just like a very, like, artificial landscape, it, they still require, like, this human touch to continue. Right, so so humanity and morality doesn't necessarily completely go away. Yeah, I mean, who's you know, I don't know if that's the end game. You know, mm -hmm. like if, if there's an expectation that sooner or later you're just gonna round up or ex exterminate anybody that's not in the city, and like at that point, you're not gonna worry about it or whether they're always going to be like trying to track people out of the city, um, you know, just in case. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I, I don't know their, their position towards, Hey, but here's a, a young girl who is not down with the city. Like that's a problem. You know, a single person against the mega city of, millions mm -hmm. 
you know, and I think that points to kind of really where they seem to be going, which is that, you know, homegirl seems like totally down to sacrifice herself in the idea that she's going to try to inspire other people to resist the city, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily her intention. I don't think she's, like, purposely thinking, like, if I stand up, then maybe other people will stand up. Uh, I think her deal is just, like, I just don't want to go, and, and you can't make me. And and maybe, yes, in the end, she'll end up coming off as somewhat somewhat of a martyr to, to other people. Um, but, like, how would they find out, right? They're just – they're in the city and just, like, blasted with city propaganda all the time. Well, she was telling the traitor that, that like, you know, you're going to tell people about what I did, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, that's what you're for is, is so you can tell my story, you know? Yeah. When they're talking about when he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, you must want to die, you know, it's, she's like, yeah, well, I'm fine with dying if, if like I ignite something and you're going to be the vehicle for that. Which I think is commendable. I, I, I don't think most people uh, really have – like believe in something strong enough that they would follow that route, right? Most people would be like the traitor where they'd be like, okay, I'll make some compromise so I can stay alive. Sure. And I mean it's going to require him going out on a limb as well, you know? Like he's he's putting his own skin in the game if he's telling people about this – thing that uh that one girl did you know mm-hmm. but i certainly agree that it's a tall order if she thinks she's going to topple this gigantic social structure you know just based on word of mouth predominantly outside the city um well yes but i mean isn't that kind of what we're told in in a democratic society like every vote counts make your voice heard right every every voice makes a difference like if one person doesn't speak up, then most people won't speak up, right? Going back to what we were talking about with, with bad reception, if somebody has you know, a certain number of followers and they have to grind to get more, at some point they don't need to grind anymore because those people come to them. It's just a matter of getting to a point where people can start to see your message. Yeah, I think it's just an issue of scale, mm-hmm. you know? Of like how many people can you reach if you're doing word of mouth? Only the number of people that that meet other people day by day, you know. Yeah. So if it, if the city's already gobbled up most of the people that are out there, that's going to be tough, you know. But if they can get onto Twitter, so much <laughs> easier, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so in the end, she basically uh, she's making her last stand, right? She yes. she's in this town where she meets up with the traitor and sets the whole thing on fire because then the machines can't come. Uh, so the sheriff has to come with his men, uh, which, by the way, I would fire all those guys because not a single one can catch this 15 year old girl. Yeah, I mean, I, th- they may be under orders to not kill her, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they're uh, they're not great. <laughs> They are not great. I, I do wonder if in the last issue we'll learn that there is a reason why, like, they sign her over as a citizen and, like, why waste all this time 
following this little girl uh, and there being some relation to the city in some way. I mean, I don't think there's any, been any hints of that, really. But but I do wonder if we'll see some of that in the final issue. Is or is it to be concluded? Is the next one the last issue? I mean, I would assume so, because it's issue five, and usually with Aftershock, it's five-issue deals. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's my theory is she's making her last stand and she's going to beef it and like it's going to inspire people to, to fight back against the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. All right. Anything else on Join the Future? The one thing that I would mention just like for, for additional context is I was struck that, you know, when you're trying to sell her on the city and such – that basically it's like, oh, hey, the city is great. Like, we're going to dump you into, like, we'll be very happy as a teacher or a nurse. Oh, yeah. Or a baker, you know? Like, and even later in the issue, you know, she's talking to Trader, and it's like, hey, you can come with me, and you can bake for me. It's like, <laughs> no. But I thought specifically... With respect to the city, that I thought was helpful in a little bit of an illustration about, like, why maybe the city isn't so great. Is because, like, hey, yeah, if you're a woman, like, you're going to be up against, like, some sexist stuff and you're going to have to do women's work, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's something that we I don't think we've seen so far in this series. And I, I thought it was, you know... A, a nice addition. Yeah. Yep, that's true. All right. Uh, give me a rating then. Uh, I will go four out of five. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Four out of five. Good, good. Another good issue. Uh, that leads us into Undone by Blood, number five. Written by... Final issue. Final issue. Lonnie Nadler, Zach Thompson. Art by Sammy Kivella. Colors by Jason Wordy. And letters by Hassan Osmani Elhau. Did know, it again. If I had a last name like Wordy, I would be a letterer. A letterer? A letterer. Ah, uh, that's better. Yeah, a letterer. Uh, it's like my, my in-laws were here yesterday and we were talking about something. And, and my father-in-law is an insurance adjuster. He was talking about they had gone to Ohio or somewhere and they had a claim out on a farm. And there was like this crop duster or whatever. And and the guy that flew the crop dusting plane, his first name was Dusty. Oh no! Right? Exactly. Like, of course it would be. <laughs> that's, that's a shame. <laughs> it's like when you name your child Jeeps. Like, what do you think? <laughs> yes, you're you're just bound to be a <laughs> a crop duster. Uh, all right, undone by blood number five. Uh, I think I, I'll do a quick recap here. Uh, our, our protagonist. What's the protagonist's name? I always forget. Whatever. Our protagonist finally comes face to face with her parents' murderers. Uh, it turns out that uh, things are not as they seem, and she may be a little bat crap crazy. Uh, the end. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, I mean, we we like really just get right into this, and uh, I gotta say, most of the issues of this series have been. Uh, slightly slower reads, I think, than most comics. Um, 
number one, they they do kind of tend to be a little wordier, but there's just a lot going on in every page, right, in terms of dialogue. And this one didn't feel like that way, which is good because the final issue. Um, but, like, things happen really fast. And, mm-hmm. and everything that we've been seeing throughout the previous four issues kind of gets tied up in a nice little bow here. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a happy ending, but... I mean, happy endings are kind of boring, Travis, so that's fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so she comes up to to the house where the, the killer and his crew are, and uh, she kills the one guy that's outside of the house because he's wearing her dad's sunglasses and uh, just goes and shoots them right in the face. And uh, And we get flashbacks throughout of how the whole murder unfolded, uh, where there were you know, driving from their home in the Northwest and, you know, swinging down the coast, going to, into Arizona, going into the motel room. Uh, you get a nice little call back to the uh, Casa de Huevos from, uh, what was that, the last, the previous issue, right? Where she's mm-hmm. hanging out with the sheriff. Uh, so you get, you see that again, you see the motel, uh, you see the whole murder scene. And it seems like, you know, there was no conspiracy, Travis. There's no conspiracy. The whole time, like, we're basically dealing in this, like, seedy element of this town where, like, the whole town's being run by drug dealers. And there's, like, this network of drug trafficking. And the way that I read from the flashback scene uh, and then the, the interaction between the murderer and her is that none of that is true. Like, there were just a bunch of dummies that were drunk as hell and high as hell and came up to this place and got coked up and as a result got violent and things escalated and there was a murder and like i mean yes there's still drug dealing stuff going on with these guys but uh like that's not really their mo you know what i mean and it was all kind of a a misremembrance i guess of hers because she was young and I don't know how young she was in this flashback, um, but I mean, she seems older than I thought she would have been. Uh, originally, I thought she would have been, you know, maybe like nine or ten when this whole thing was happening, and maybe it's just the way the art comes about. But she looks not much younger than she is now, to be honest. Uh, maybe just a few years. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 talk about how that translates into the ending in a little bit but i want to hear your impressions on the flashbacks and and how you read the story because maybe i'm reading it wrong i mean i'm not sure what you know what you could read into their motivation to to barge into what seems to be a random room you know, like it seems to me like they picked a room at random at this motel that they were partying at and they're like we're going to have some fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I assume that their fun in that context is, I don't know, like, you know, rape and mutilation and maybe murder. So, you know? I, I don't want to interrupt you. I think it does come off that way in the flashback. But judging by the interactions in the present day after the flashbacks, um, I don't think that's the case at all because like the guy didn't want to – he's like, he's like, don't kill the girl. Just like you know, hit her in the head and let her go. We'll put her in the hospital. 
but like don't kill the girl i don't think i think this is the same thing in this flashback scene where okay i don't think they intended to break in here and like kill the husband and rape the mom and the, and the daughter um i think maybe just like they see these people coming in from out of town they're you know they're townies they have nothing better to do let's go mess with these people and uh a bunch of coke later things escalate and people die i mean i don't know well the the guy that you mentioned in the kind of present day timeline mm-hmm. who's like don't do this don't don't hurt the girl that guy's the undercover cop was my reading Oh, see, okay, now that makes sense. That's the undercover deputy that got killed because he was like, I'm not going to let you kill this girl. And, like, you know, rightfully, you you know, the guy deduces, like, oh, you sound like a narc, you're dead, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have been him turning on his accomplice, except it turns out there was an undercover sheriff. They got ganked there. So that's, like, like, that's what that was. I just don't know, like, what innocent explanation you have, especially given they went into that hotel room with multiple weapons, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, the dude had a blade out, and his his buddy had a gun, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it didn't take long to discharge the gun. So, you know, like... I'm sorry. Like you explained to me what innocent explanation there is about like, oh, well, no, we're no, going to no. go into the storeroom to Listen. watch Hogan's here. Listen, like, I, didn't, no. I didn't say there was an innocent explanation. I just said that I think maybe things escalated very quickly as a result of the copious amounts of cocaine. And I think they're doing PCP, in fact. That, yeah, they were already high on PCP beforehand. Okay. And then they went into this room and did more drugs. Um, yeah. Like, so, I think they went in there to, to do bad stuff. And, you know, like, they they succeeded. For sure. I just think the bad stuff that ended up happening was not the original intent. That's all. I don't think they – I mean, maybe they did. There's just that there doesn't seem to be any motivation. You know what I mean? Like we don't see when they're out getting gas at the gas station. We don't see these guys like hanging around, following them. They're not at the at the egg place. Like this is the first time they meet these people. Um, and and yes, there are bad people that purposely go out and hurt others uh, and kill others. Um, but like there just didn't seem to be anything here that led me to say like hey yeah let's just go in here and kill these people to me it felt more like uh you know we're high as crap we have nothing to do here's people from out of town let's go mess with them and uh and things just escalated quickly because they're really messed up on drugs the husband's getting genuinely pissed for a good reason and they shoot the guy and then things get worse from there yeah, I, I mean, there's there's nothing definitive in there, but my vibe on the whole thing was just that they went in there to like do some bad stuff. You know, I don't I don't think it was just that they were bored and they wanted to watch TV. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, for sure no. I think if if they you know if they had their way, I, I think you know they would have 
projected some bad stuff towards the mother or mm-hmm. you know towards the daughter you know yeah. like I, it's i i don't know i don't know why to your point it is random you know it seems to be yes. just the luck of the draw that they that they went into this random motel room um but you know random bad stuff does certainly happen for you sure know? Uh, I think what the flashback does tell us, though, is why – what the motivation is. Um, and, like, it's not that, you know, having your parents and your brother murdered in front of your eyes is not motivation enough. Uh, but to me, the real motivation is that she could have ta- – the gun was on the floor, and she could have taken the gun and killed these guys then. Uh, but instead, she just, like, sat there and watched them scalp her dad. Yeah. Like, I I think obviously she feels guilty about not doing anything, you know? And Mm -hmm. had she done something, maybe she would be dead too, you know? Probably. Mm -hmm. I'll go go that far, you know? Like, other... The dad tried to do something, he ended up dead, you know? So why would a, a girl have better luck in the exact same circumstances... Um, but to your point, yeah, the guilt of that or just even survivor's guilt in general, that she was the one that survived and the others died is like, I think that she's obviously being pressed to extremes in there. Mm -hmm. But the question I think is where does that stop? And where does the influence of this novel come in? You know, Mm -hmm. because obviously they point to, at the end of the issue that there's going to be future series where other characters in different contexts are going to be influenced by these, like this novel series, you know, of this, you know, like whatever prototypical Western hero out for revenge, you know, like dealing with the legacy of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what how how those two things jibe you know like if she was just impressionable and she, and she's got this book and she's like okay I'm gonna do this or you know you're you're kind of mixing motivations there I guess is my point. Well, I think it's kind of like a, a meta commentary, right? And and it it kind of leads into what I said at the beginning of the discussion, in which happy endings are boring. Uh, because in the story, there is a happy ending, right? Eaton finally rescues his son, and they sail off into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, in this book, there is no happy ending, because as a result of seeking revenge, all that happens is more death. And and there's no like real catharsis for Ethel um, as a result of the whole thing. Right, because like I mean, basically she sets she sets the place on fire. Uh, she goes to the hospital, and like okay, okay, like what did that accomplish? Uh, and it turns out it doesn't accomplish anything because she botches this investigation to take these guys down, right? Because she thought the sheriff was in on the whole thing because they had the same last name. It turns out they don't have the same last name. Uh, they just sound similar. And the sheriff was being honest when they were talking at the the egg place. Yeah, no, she she screwed the pooch big time. You know, like 
And and I feel and, like I And not only that, sorry. the bad guys escape with her fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. She like she got screwed on every level. Had yeah. she not done anything, yeah, like maybe that investigation would have actually played out and you know, would have done a lot of good in that part of the country. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate. You know, like and kind of more to the point, I guess, you know, I think we're all conditioned to expect happy endings, mm-hmm. especially in a in a Western, even if the end of the Western is like, well, our hero dies, but he got revenge. Right. Like, even that is subverted here. So obviously, I think the point of, of the this, this series writ large is dealing with the legacy of this type of story. And, you know, like people that may buy into that and be influenced in a negative way, you know, like just the myth of the cowboy on like the American West. Um, So, you know, I kind of I think that's interesting. I don't know that I was necessarily expecting that's where this was going. So, you know, it's a less satisfying ending in direct narrative terms but in terms of what they're trying to say i think you know there there's more substance there if it's really an indictment of a whole genre that you're like wow like you're gonna get subverted and it's not a happy ending where stuff is neat it's like what is this person screwed up yeah 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 yep that's true uh, all right. What else you got on that, man? Uh, hmm. I, I think I'm pretty good. I think we covered it. Very good. Uh, I guess it's my turn for ratings. I will give this final issue. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. I really like this. I'll go with a five. Five out of five. Nice. Okay. Final thought for me, which, like, I don't think the art bears it out, but, you know, like... The dude who gets killed in the beginning of the issue, mm-hmm. he's playing a guitar. Mm-hmm. What if that was uh, Johnny from Killer Groove? Just put that out there. Ah, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they look nothing alike, but it's out there now. That is awesome. I like that Aftershock a lot. Aftershock verse. Yeah, I like that a lot, as a matter of fact. Yes. And with that, uh, I'll go four and a half out of five. Very good. That leads us to the final book of this episode with the kind of final issue of this series. Not really. Uh, Animosity, number 28. Written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Elton Tomasi. Colors by Wancho. And letters by Taylor Esposito. Um, So I guess I should clarify my statement. This is not the final issue of this book. Uh, from my understanding, this is uh, kind of a a temporary stopping place. Um, which, I mean, this book's been going on for a long time, right? There hasn't really been, like, big breaks in this book since it started. Uh, not including, obviously, the whole COVID thing. But uh, for the most part, this has been nearly monthly. And uh, and I think it's good that it get to a place where it can rest a little bit. 
and and margarita's done this before uh we uh we never talked about insects on this book on this podcast but she was doing the same thing with insects basically where she'd do an arc and then take a few months off and then do the second arc take a few months off so um that's what i meant by that so i should clarify but suppose it, it is coming back at some point all right with that said travis mm. this is a this issue is a a interesting departure for animosity and i think okay. it i think it makes sense with the way that it's told being that the book is going on a temporary hiatus um because not not really much happens here uh just like you know people and animals get reunited and you know sandor and jesse have a little powwow uh we don't we're not privy to the entire conversation because part of it happens in the last page but uh i think there's some some nice bookends to all the craziness that we've been seeing in this book for you know at least the, the last five issues if not longer and uh and that was kind of nice to see and, and it does kind of prep for what may be coming in the future where they keep wondering like well what about the people from texas like are they going to come after us um so i i kind of like the the change of pace here what, what do you think well i mean i agree i i think that you know it functions kind of as a you know temporary conclusion to the previous arc mm-hmm. but it, it could as easily have been issue one of a new arc yes. you know and and it like it feels like um you know i, I don't think it, it would be the first time that i've compared it to the walking dead yep like where you have these arcs and you're like okay, well, we've been in a place for a while and then we have to leave and now we're in a new place and we're meeting the people in a new place. It's so funny uh, that you said that because I, that was my exact thought. I was like, boom. oh yeah, like this is when they have to wait for Negan to come and attack. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, I think they're, you know, my sense is that they're going to stay here because, I, you know, I feel like they have enough in this issue where they discuss it and they're like sandor you have no food (laughs) like you have not a a huge contingent like now's not the time for you to to be continuing on Uh and also you kind of screwed us like (laughs) the bad guys are coming this way and they're gonna get here first so so like i think Sandor, I think, has commented to the extent of like, well, we'll train you, but we may not be here when <laughs> like the Empire gets here, you know, like yeah. we'll we'll be doing our own thing at that point. Uh but we'll we'll stay here for a while because we need to and we'll also try to help you deal with the fallout from our BS, you know? <laughs> Um, but what? I, ju- I don't know if they're going to be here, like whenever this comes back in however many months, if issue one of that next arc is going to be, they're still here. If there's going to be a time jump or whether it's going to be like, Hey, we're in the city, but we're getting ready to leave. Cause we've done this stuff and here's a flashback. I don't know. What, what's your thought on that? Well, to, to go with what you just said about Sandor, I think, Sandor suffers from the same problem that Ethel did in Undone by Blood, 
in the like he's trying to do good, but in doing some good, he's just making it worse. Mm-hmm. And and obviously that's like the perfect plot device for an ongoing series, right? Um, where like you have to create this conflict, but but in many respects that's what he's doing. And and like yeah, he's trying to protect Jesse, but like how many people and animals have died, and like how many enemies have they made? And have they really made anything better by embarking on this journey? Like, would they have been better off just staying back on the East Coast and and dealing with all the crap there? Um, obviously, it maybe wouldn't be as exciting because we wouldn't get to see all these places and how the world has changed since the the first issue of Animosity. But uh, but it does bring up a lot of questions about like motivations and actions and the repercussions. And and I think that's what always has made this book really solid, is that it toes a very fine line between like good comic and like telling some kind of moral story, uh, which is something that you know, most comics don't do, uh, for a good reason, right? If every comic was that way, we'd probably be bored because it'd be like, okay, like can we just have a fun story for once? Um, but uh, but for this series, it has worked throughout. Uh, as for what the future holds, man, I, I think you, you kind of hit it on the head. Part of me wants to see the end of this book. And not because I want it to end, but you know we've been going on this cross-country journey for so long. I want to get back to the West Coast and, and see what's been going on there. Right? Especially after reading uh, Animosity Evolution. I want to know what the impact of the, the story in that book has had on Jesse and Sandor's story. Because ultimately the end goal is for them to go to the West Coast so that Jesse can reunite with her brother. Um, so having this pause, I, I'm like, can we just like – couldn't you just do like four more issues so we can get there so I can see that? Um but obviously there's maybe a larger story that wants to be told here, and, and that's cool. Um, as to how, where we'll pick up, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think for sure we'll have a time jump. And whether Jesse and Sandor are still here uh, will kind of depend on how this conversation plays out between them at the end of the issue. Sure. Because they've kind of had some friction in their relationship for a while now. Um, where you know Jesse was using Sandor as kind of a, a father figure, uh, a replacement for her real parents, and from what she's seen Sandor do, she doesn't think that she wants him to be her father figure, and and so yeah, I think I think whatever, however this conversation plays out is really kind of where the book will continue, and and I don't have the answer to that because I'm not Marguerite Bennett. <laughs> But but I did appreciate the honesty, right? Because like they talked about Kyle and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. and like Sandor admitted to what he did, but then the book ends with like, well, we got to talk about your mom and your dad. The end. Like, what does that sure. mean, right? Because we we've kind of we've gone down that path before, but is it just like Sandor is gonna like tell the truth about what happened with between him and the dad? Because that's that's been hanging on here since the first issue. Yeah, I, I mean, I my assumption is that you know he's finally gonna address that, you know, um, and I think that it's 
maybe like they they opened the door with it when you know didn't Jesse see him like basically having like murdered a bunch of yes animals or whatnot so it's like good Sandor is you know is gone now he doesn't need to worry about like but how will how will she deal with it it's like she's already she already knows that I'm a killer but I you know you know, now that I don't need to preserve that, it's time to be honest, because it also seems like, again, a constant theme with Sandor is like his time is running out, you know? Well, that's true, so, too, right? He's, he's, he's dying. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of time left, I think, because they keep bringing it up and in this issue again. So he, I don't think he has the luxury of trying to just sit on revelations and stuff and protect her anymore. You know, like I think like the opportunity has foisted upon him to be like, okay, I, I, you know, I don't need to protect her anymore. I'm just gonna like, I'm going to deal with this now. I've been putting it off. Um, And I, I think that's a fair assumption based on how the world has changed. Right. Because I mean, she's a little kid, but in a world where you're being faced with constant death, like you go up pretty fast. You know what I mean? Uh, like I've, I've had this conversation with my wife before uh, in terms of the kids, for example, where like at what point do you realize like, hey, this kid is, uh, you know, she's about to be 17. Uh, you don't need to like have her cover her eyes when a boob shows up on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um same thing in the story. Like, wh- what's he got to protect her from? Like, what has she not seen that that a kid wouldn't normally see? Right? Like, she's she's experienced everything. Right? She's she's been in war, and she doesn't really need a father figure anymore. Yeah, well, I I think you hit on something that I was thinking, which is just that you know, like grafting any kind of preconceptions about trying to protect children etc you know in a context of like post-apocalypse where literally it's life and death and people are trying to kill them is like yeah you know like you know i feel like the dude from the road killed a bunch of people in front of his kid you know like because mm-hmm. it's like and it's you know it's easy enough in that scenario to be like hey it was them or us so yeah. it's us right right, right. so so we can't we can't throw all of our morality onto you know this story like it's a a normal story you know like it's it's a it's an exceptional premise um, and you know I I think that faced with this kind of reality a lot of people would default to what Sandor seems to be, which is just like, hey, I'm very simple. It's my family, you know, it's Jesse, and that's it. You know, like, everybody and everything else is expendable, you know, but, like, that's, I'm all about that one thing, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm going to, you know, so, you know, I, I think that is an interesting moral qualm you know at at what point you know does that become not the right take you know but like is that always justifiable it's tough to say you know like 
morality arguments break down almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and, and the world is, has changed, and so morality has also changed, right? And and the stuff that we saw in the first issue with Sandor killing, p- potentially killing her dad, and then all the other stuff that he's done throughout this entire series, uh, you know, like the world of survival now. So is is killing in order for you to survive necessarily such a bad thing? Um yeah, this this book always kind of toes the morality line in every single issue, and and maybe we're getting to a point where like that issue needs to be addressed within the two main characters. I mean, it's it's rough, dude, and you know, like I feel like there was even a moment in this issue. I don't know if you caught it. It looked to me like Sandor like was bringing a rabbit for food in in the earlier part of the issue i don't Mm -hmm. know if you caught that or he's got like something in his mouth yeah 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 and it's like even just the basics of like what are we going to eat we're in the desert you know like if a rabbit had to die to keep jesse alive you you know like that's traumatizing when the rabbits have sentience um so a lot of assumptions about morality, I think, are very much out the window. And I think it's certainly a lot about survival. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. That's why I love zombie movies. Yeah. But maybe if, you know, you know who's who's maybe not about, like, kind of specific instances of survival, like is winter mute you know mm-hmm. so so if by the time they get to san francisco i'm guessing winter mute's gonna be gone yeah but if adam is like winter mute jr <laughs> he's probably not gonna have a lot of sympathy for being like oh well you'll just kill anybody to save jesse right like like that's not how we roll here yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this reminds me a lot of just like what's happening today in in politics and with the whole COVID thing too. Um, we're like, you know, everyone's just like, oh yeah, you know, can't wait to get back to normal. And like as time progresses, you're like, well, is normal ever coming? And and my thing since the beginning has always been like, well, why do you just want it to be back to normal? Like, why wouldn't you want it to be better, right? Like normal wasn't that great. Do you think that like you know I think I think we can always make the wor- world a better place and and never settle for just whatever is the normal every day right like of course it's nice to lead like a normal life right where like you wake up and you're in a good mood and you have to don't have to worry about like catching some deadly disease like yes that is awesome not have to worry about dying every day um but like there's there's ways to work around all this kind of stuff right and and you can make the world a better place new, a new normal is not a bad thing um i don't know just something to think about sure all right anything else um well i guess i would just give a uh, a shout out to potter cuz it seems like potter's is not going to be you know, tagging along with this crew anymore. Yeah. Uh, cause he, but uh, you know, 
he met his family from before. Yeah. So Which... that's, I mean, that's good for him. Seems like Zarza is sad. Uh, but yeah, Mina, thanks for all the fish. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Give me a rating, Travis. Uh, uh, let's go four out of five. All right. Um, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you. I'll, I'll go with the four out of five, just cause uh, like not a whole lot happens, even though I don't know. Philosophically, a lot of stuff is always happening in this book. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, great. So the I mean the the, the teaser for the Jesse Sandor convo is juicy. Oh, that's juicy, juicy. So when that happens, that's gonna be a five out of five, I assume. Mm-hmm. But it was just a teaser. That's right. That's so right. like five months from now, and it's like previously in animosity, and we get the rest of that, there's probably going to be some fireworks. <laughs> uh, yes. I will tell you if, uh, if the apocalypse ever comes, I want a goat that wears a leather jacket. Just saying. Yeah. Long Island style. You got it, buddy. I'll name him Fonzie. Uh, okay, so next week, uh, there's one book coming out. That is uh, Dead Day number two. The week after, we have one book coming out. And which one is that? Ah, God Killers, number five. So uh, I think we'll probably skip next week and then come back in, uh, in a couple weeks so we can talk about those two books. Uh, that will wrap up this episode of the Aftershock Central Podcast. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at The Great Magnet, at Geekvine, at Aftershock Pond. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.